Welcome back to the Bubblehead Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm with my co-host Robert here. How you doing, Robert? I'm doing good. You know, uh, had a first little taste of football this uh, past week with uh, the Hall of Fame game. Um, yeah, I think the big news there is uh, Josh Jacobs starting and playing some at least some decent minutes for the Hall of Fame game, at least. Yeah, it's everybody's up in arms because Josh Jacobs was probably the uh, the best player, at least non-rookie, to play in that game. Um, are, you, are you worried it's an indication that Jacobs is not going to be a bell cow, that Jacobs maybe is going to be traded, or are you taking nothing away from that at all? I take something away from it, but I don't take much into it. Uh, you know, I, I do think it is a story. I think the biggest story, though, is just that I don't think this is like – I don't think this is going to be a Jacobs year that we've seen in the past. You know, I, I think that I think they're going to spread the ball around. And I think that's what I got the most from the, the Hall of Fame game. I think I think it's probably going to be a, you know, maybe what, uh, you know, RB2, a low RB2 season still for him. And I think that's probably the ceiling. Uh, maybe maybe low RB3 or high RB3. Yeah, I mean, Jacobs has been a workhorse for them uh, in his time in with the Raiders. Been high volume in his uh, path to success in fantasy. He's been, you know, hovering right around, you know, RB12. Uh, he, he's produced, but I'm with you. I'm a little late. I don't know if he's going to get the volume. Zemir White looked pretty good. Zemir yeah. White's good. They didn't pick up the fifth year option. Um it makes sense to me for them to really give Zamir White a valuation, you know, give him enough touches, let him, you know, prove that he could be the starter next year. Um, so it, I'm with you. I'm definitely pushing Jacobs down a little bit. But to be fair, like, we kind of have that already baked into his ADP. I mean, he's not going as an RB1. He's not going as a high-end RB2. Uh, he's going, you know, right around that RB24 range, you know, depending on drafts. So if the hate goes a little farther, I think I'm going to start trying to buy Jacobs because they might become a value. Yeah. All right. Well, you want to jump into uh, some of the other offseason stories here? So Some training camp buzz. Yeah. So the big ones, I think, you know, Kyle Phillips, Isaiah Pacheco, which I probably said that name wrong, to be honest, but uh, Romeo Dubes. So these are kind of the three, I say the three biggest risers so far from that I've seen from training camp. Um, and I think, I think it's a good thing to discuss them all here. Um, you know, so what do you want to start us off? Well, I just want to take a quick victory lap on Kyle Phillips. Uh, Phillips, you know, I just, I think Phillips is exactly what we're seeing in Japan. He is a great route runner. He's shifty and he's good. I mean, you know, bring on the white slot receiver comps. Like he is Renfro. I, I think Renfro is probably a better, um, a better comp than the two, you know, New England slot receivers of Edelman and Welker. But the question is, is where is, where is, is he in the target order, right? They have Burks, the first-round pick. 
They have Robert Woods, who's a fantastic player coming off injury. Um, do they put those two out wide and, and Phillips is in the slot? I, I know that Burks did a lot of slot work in college. Woods has done a fair amount of slot work over his career. I'm just curious, you know, what type of target share we can really count on with Phillips. I'm not jumping to put my lineups this year. Excited that, you know, a player that I got in the fourth round, fifth round of rookie drafts is making noise. And, you know, you could probably sell them for a second right now, right? If you want to take that value, you know, it's not a terrible idea. What about, what about you? Yeah, so Kyle Phillips, uh, you know, I, I like him too. Um, you know, he's absolutely showing what I think he showed in college, which is, you know, a, a very good ability to separate. Um, and that's really what you want at, at the NFL level, right? If you're separating, then you can be an elite receiver. Uh, and he has the athleticism. It's not like he's a bad athlete by any means. Like most of the time you put slot receivers and you're thinking, oh, they're terrible athletes. But that's not really the case with Kyle Phillips. Uh, he's not like a huge target by any means, but he's not a bad athlete. Um, and so, you know, I think he has potential, but like you said, right, I have no interest in putting him in a lineup this year. Um, and maybe he does something towards the end of the season, maybe. But if you're drafting him with the expectation that he's going to be something this year, you're probably going to be mistaken. Um, and that's not like a knock on the player. It's just... It's just how it is with rookie running or wide receivers, excuse me. Um, rookie wide receivers, they generally don't produce early in the career, their careers. It generally takes until the second or third year before they produce. So, Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm happy about, you know, the success, but I'm tempering my expectations for 2022 a lot. How and then about uh, Pacheco, the, what's your thoughts? Yeah, so, so I think the biggest interest there is that he's in Kansas City, right? Or, my question is, are we doing the same thing that we did with Clyde uh, and just assuming that we're going to have an elite running back because he plays for Kansas City? Uh, you know, I he's been getting fantastic reports in training camp, but I, I just don't know. I don't know what to think, right? He wasn't really on my radar to go into the draft, to be honest. Um, but... He's getting big comps. Like he got a, a comparison of Priest Holmes from one of the things that I've seen from from the beat reporters. So, you know, that's a big cop. I mean, you know, what do you think? I think this is a good indication that we are in the early days of August and seem to overreact. Come on, like with you this. Player wasn't on my radar pre-NFL draft, and guess what? They weren't on NFL teams drafts. That's why it was, what, a seventh-round pick? I mean, sure, there's a possibility, but the likelihood of a seventh-round pick hitting in fantasy, very low. If I have Pacheco, I'm selling for anything. You know, you could probably definitely get a third. You might be able to get, you know, even a second-round pick right now. Uh, I'm the Clyde Truth. You know, call call me as it is. I'm thinking that the fact that he had his claw bladder removed right before the season, he lost a bunch of weight. He he wasn't right in his second season. So I'm thinking that Clyde is going to be – I think this is Clyde's best year. Is Clyde, you know, the best running back in that class, which he was taken first? No, obviously not. They made a huge mistake. They should have taken DeAndre Swift. Swift would have been perfect for what they wanted out of Clyde. Um but yeah, I mean, I'm not buying the Pacheco hype. 
yeah, I I definitely agree with you though on on Swift being a perfect fit in that offense. But I mean, maybe that's what like maybe that's what Pacheco could be, right? Like maybe he could be an athletic, you know, <laughs> like or running back. Like I don't I don't I don't I don't know. Like he's getting such brave reviews that I'm almost like interested, <laughs> but at the same time, like I don't even. Like I've never even seen the guy play. To, like other than you know, and I like I reviewed some of this film like right after like you know the news started breaking. But I was like, you know, I he wasn't like a, a big name in college, which to me like that says a lot. Like if you're not producing in college, like what makes me think that you're going to produce at the NFL level, especially a running back? Like I'm with you. I mean, this happens every training camp preseason you know every year there's a there's later round picks or i mean this is the uh you know shape of of their life season right this is when everyone's in the best shape they're either in the best shape if they're alive or they're injured that's you know the two possibilities right now it seems like and uh i'm not buying it i'm sorry you know this reminds me yeah. of too many other situations where people get overhyped because there's nothing you know to talk about so they just make up stories basically i'm sure he's playing fine but so yeah the other person though is romeo dubes right so dubes actually was on my radar i actually liked him um i he wasn't like a, my favorite prospect by any means uh, he was still a later round pick in my eyes but Honestly, like I'm not there that terribly surprised that he's you know been a, a, a decent player for them in training camp even. Um, well, so because one Watson's not playing right now, you know he's hurt, um, and they didn't have any weapons to begin with. So who else was going to you know be be a star there? Um, I'm not surprised that he is at least playing well. Um, Again, though, you know, I think he's in the same boat as Kyle Phillips. I don't think he's going to produce early on in the NFL. Yeah, is it Dubes? Is it Dubs? I don't know. Uh, I'm going to wait till Collinsworth, you know, announces his name because this is one of those classic college lower tier players that uh, I've heard it both ways, so I'm not sure. I'm sorry if we're mispronouncing your name. One of us are. I thought it was Dubs. You thought it was Dubs. Who knows? But um, – yeah. You know, I liked I liked Romeo. Let's go with Romeo. I liked Romeo um, watching the tape. He's a big player. He's got good speed. You know, he was with Carl Strong there in Nevada. You know, had had a good little career. Um, but then he went to the Senior Bowl and he really stunk it up. Honestly, he was one of the worst receivers. He couldn't get off the line. He was getting jammed, and I was really off. I was really off of Romeo. I I was like, nope, no way. He's a small conference player, and once he came up, put him down. So now I'm like, what's going on? Because like you said, right, Watson's been out. Watson's barely participated. So I'm wondering if this is the you know news that we need to go get Watson a discount, right? Watson was a late round, late first round pick in a lot of rookie drafts. Um, I got to think a second, you know, could fetch. Watson back. I th still think Watson is the far more likely player to be a fantasy success than Dubs or than Romeo here. Yeah, you know, that's, I think, one of the biggest things for me with training camp is I think people overreact a lot to, be to the beginning of training camp. Um, you know, it's the same thing with um, um, 
like a lot of the the wide receivers that we see, they're they're getting listed at like the unofficial depth charts at like you know third or fourth string. Like that is not news. That's not news. That's them getting added to the offense. And I can guarantee you that the coaches aren't gonna just put it like, oh yeah, this dude's starting week one. Yep, guaranteed. Like they're not gonna say that. That they're just not. Like you know, they're they're gonna make these guys work for it. And I don't think it's a bad thing that they're getting like placed in in this at the top of the depth chart or at the bottom of the depth chart. I don't think it matters at all. And I think Romeo is the same thing, right? He is taking advantage of the fact that Christian Watson is out. And so one of the players that I would imagine would have been a, uh, at least gaining targets from, from Rogers hasn't been playing. So a lot of those targets are going to then go to, the other rookie because their their wide receiver core is not good. Um, but I, I'll say this. I don't want Watson right now either for this coming year because he's missing time. And until he comes back, he's not going to gain that rep, those reps with Aaron Rodgers. And so then you're, then you're looking at probably he's going to struggle at the beginning of the season. And I'll try to get him up maybe the middle of the season, maybe, um, but it just depends on health for me at that point. Yeah, that's a good point. On you know, I say go get Watson. I think you're right. I think wait another month or two, and and then the price might even go lower. Um, not only is Watson missing time, he's coming from North Dakota State, right? He already had a big jump, you know, in competition, and he's you know getting behind Romeo and, and all these other that are getting time with the offense, getting time with Rodgers. That's a really good point. So final big riser. Uh, And so I don't know what's going on with my uh, Twitter, but I've been getting all on board. Um, Everything. It seems like every single Dolphins tweet finds my Twitter page. So I have been hearing nothing but Tua, 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 Tua for the last week. Um, And I'll say this. Dolphins fans are in love with Tua right now, and yeah. I think it's time to pump the brakes. <laughs> this is training camp, guys. Let's see him in actual games. What kills me is, like, you see all random one-pass videos of him, like, completing a pass, and it's, you know, they're like, oh, look at him, you know, deep touchdown pass. It's like, well, he should be doing that, right? That's, like, the standard, right? the bar you have to clear to be an NFL quarterback. But two, it's like, that wasn't even that good of a throw. Like, you know, you could tell the receiver, like, had to, like, slow down to to catch it or, or whatever, you know. I'm like, I don't know. Between the two of us, I was kind of the uh, two a defender, you know, a few months ago when we were breaking down, you know, Miami's team. I'm not out on Tua, but I'm definitely not in. I, mean, I haven't given up. Um, but Tua, the biggest thing he- for me – is injury is I'm yeah. I'm hoping yeah. that the reason he's played these years is because he's not quite past that hip injury. I'm hoping we see that pre-injury too. I mean, he was amazing at Alabama. I mean, I don't need to tell you. You watch more SEC games than spot anybody. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen him come back from it yet. That, that's the I thing. He hasn't looked the same. Yeah, and I mean, he's got all the weapons now. The offensive line's still a little shaky, but shit, I mean, if I he doesn't do it this year. Fine. Yeah, I mean, I think the offense will be fine. I I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be a decent offense, at least, if not a good offense. 
you know, you're throwing the ball to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and then Mike Gusecki in the red zone. Like you should be good in the, as an offense. Um, but I don't know if this is, that's even like, I don't know if two is going to put him over the top. Um, any other training camp news you, you want to kind of talk about any other big stories that we haven't called, talked about or. So I want to talk about it. We've talked about it a lot offline, but I've mentioned it. I just want to say, Bill Belichick, what the fuck are you doing? Like, give Mac Jones some weapons. Give Mac Jones some coaches. Like, by all accounts, again, right, it's freaking training camp, so don't believe much of it. Uh, but all accounts, Mac Jones, you know, he looks better shape, right? Like, the whole joke that he looked like, you know, he had the dad bod at 23 years old. But he's looking better. And But come on, what are we doing? Like, this could be a good football team. This could be a great quarterback. But, I mean, I, what are we going to run? Like, 1981-style offense? Like, it's killing me, right? I'm a Pats fan, if you can't tell. Yeah, you know, I, I've i been hearing a lot of negative reports out of training camp for, uh, for the Pats. And uh, I'm not full-on panic yet, uh, but I am – I'm pulling back. It's like one of the few off-season training camp newses, like news stories, that I am actually like reading into. Um, and and the reason for that is because I don't believe that they have a legitimate coordinator. And if you don't have a legitimate coordinator, why would I believe that it improves? Yeah, I mean, literally, they don't have an offensive coordinator named at this point. Bills basically said something to the like of like, yeah, I mean, we don't really need titles here. Titles don't mean anything. What? What do you mean? You need someone to be dedicated to running the offense. Yeah, I, it's crazy. I think Bill. I think what it comes down to is Mac Jones has probably the worst receiving weapons in the NFL. But you t- you mentioned Green Bay and their terrible, you know, wide receiver. But I think New England's even worse with their pass catchers. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I've heard a lot is that they haven't even like gotten any separation at all from any of their receivers. Uh, and if, if not getting any separation. Uh, you're going to look like, uh, you know, I watch the Saints a lot, right? Obviously. Um, the Saints receiving core last year when Michael Thomas was hurt and it was Marquez Callaway, just just Marquez Callaway, uh, it was awful. It was awful to watch. Like, they weren't getting separation. They couldn't throw the ball to, to wide receivers at all unless it was a deep throw. And, um, you know, I, they obviously they upgraded the wide receiving core with Travis Landry, you know, Chris Olave and then Michael Thomas coming back. But, you know, I I don't see any any reason that the, the Patriots would be any better than the Saints were last year at wide receiver. I think the Pats might be better last year than the, in 2021 than they will be in 22. I'm, this division is getting tougher, right? The Jets are going in the right direction. Miami's... You know, Miami's getting a lot of uh, a lot of hype. Obviously, Buffalo is fantastic. I would not be surprised if Mac Jones can't lead them to a playoff berth with the uh, pass catchers that he has at his disposal. Yeah. Um, so, last little bit of news I want to talk about, and this is just from a Saints fan. Michael Thomas is back. Um, every single part of thing, every single thing that I've heard from Nick Underhill, the the Saints beat best beat reporter is that he's back. All the videos I've seen of Michael Thomas, he is cutting as quickly as I can, can remember. I 100% believe 
that Michael Thomas will be at the very minimum a high wide receiver two. And I think he's very likely that he is a wide receiver one. Yeah, Mike dropped that one. I mean, I tend to agree. Maybe not quite as bullish on what he produces, but everything we're hearing for, and you're right. Underhill, he's you know he's the goat of uh, beat reporting in in Los or uh, New Orleans. He looks amazing, and I gotta say, you know, I'm snagging Michael Thomas as my third third wide receiver. You know, super late mm-hmm. in drafts, and you know, I'm like giddy. I'm over here sitting like a little kid. I'm like, are you kidding me? This guy could literally he could be a top five wide receiver. James Winston has proven that he can be prolific as a passer. And obviously, Michael Thomas has proven he can be pro- prolific as a fan. Um, I'm with you. I think we look, you know, if the health keeps going the way it is, a lock for top 20. And wide receiver one is realistic. Like, it's not, a, yeah. you know, a pipe dream. And Yeah, and people can say, oh, well, he doesn't have Drew Brees anymore. But without Drew Brees, he was still producing top five uh, fantasy points per game weeks. Uh, so, you know, that record breaking season, I'm pretty sure Teddy Bridgewater started, I think it was, it was either five or six games he started that year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I might have my years mixed up there, but you know, I, I'm pretty sure that, 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 uh, that season Teddy Bridgewater started a few games. So, yeah, I'm not sure exactly on that year, every game, but I mean, one, we've seen Jameis Winston throw for 5,000 yards. He, we know he's the first pick in the referee. We know he's that is a passer. And he looked good, both ACL last year. Not to mention, um, when Taysom Hill was throwing the ball to Michael Thomas, Taysom Hill, a tight end, folks. This guy's a tight end. He's not a uh, he, he was still producing. Like, he wasn't producing, you know, Michael Thomas has 19 numbers, but he was still a fine option. So, yeah. Yeah. Michael Thomas healthy sign me up yep all right well do you want to go ahead and jump into Debbie tight end tight ends here like we yeah let's do it enough, I, right? yeah I think we've kind of been like delaying talking about the tight ends and uh there's a reason for that Robert right we we've talked about it it gets ugly pretty quick when you're talking about Debbie tight ends it's not like the QBs or the running backs or wide receivers were like excited to talk about the the 10th best one, the 20th best one tight ends. It's like, yeah. Ugh, I don't know. I mean, after the first few, it seems kind of just take your pick, dart throw, hope for the best. What, what about you? I, yeah, after the first, you know, five, maybe six, we're, it's, we're talking to complete dart throws, right? Um, you know, you look at even the top five tight end prospects of the last like 10 years. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's only like a 10, 15% hit rate of getting actually drafted like high in the first round or high in the draft, excuse me. Um, <laughs> it's not a guarantee just because they're a top 10 tight end and in, in the prospects, you know, that they're going to be successful. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. Let's, let's jump into it though. Um, and yeah, this is Eric's rankings this week. Uh, so if you have issues with him, with it, uh, hit Eric up and let him know what, he, what you think. Yeah, let's fight about uh, tight end rankings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, yeah, hit, hit us up. Uh, let me know where I'm screwed up. Oh, hey, yeah, I love that player. You know, you're on board with me. Um, I think these two are kind of easy, right, in tier one. Um, 
Michael Meyer, he was an absolute, well, both of them, excuse me, Brock Bowers was the freshman last year. Uh, but Meyer, right, looking ahead in 2023 draft, a lot of people are talking first round for this guy. Um, I'm thinking he doesn't get out of second round so long as he stays healthy, um, which obviously great draft capital. You don't need to be a first round pick, certainly not for tight end. Um, but Bowers, wow. I mean, we're talking about George's offense that was not exactly prolific at passing. He just lit up the whole freaking country as a true freshman. I was so impressed. He doesn't quite have the quintessential size, you know, that you want, that the Michael Meyer does. But these two, I I, I would not be surprised if both of them are, you know, first-round NFL draft picks. Yeah, so, I mean I... – I mean, I'll kind of disagree with you a little bit about size. I think uh, Brock Byer, Brock Bowers and Michael Myers, both of them on 247 at least, had uh, basically the same height-weight profile, 6'4", 240 for Brock Bowers, and uh, 6'4", 232 for Michael Meyer. But um, the hardest thing about tight, height and weight is that, honestly, it can, you can get completely different numbers that are actually true. You know, like they're, they could grow two inches, right? They could be uh, mislabeled by, you know, a couple inches, um, so we'll that, that really doesn't really come into factor, honestly, until, um, till the, the pro bowl or not the pro bowl, the combine. Wow. Uh, completely, <laughs> completely different dimension there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, I, I think Brock Bowers and Michael Meyer, they're both in the same tier, right? You know, it's, I, I would have Michael Meyer first just cause he's a 2023 prospect. Um, but I think both of them, you know, they have both had almost a 30% target share in their offenses and both are just huge targets, right? Which that's all you want out of a tight end, right? That's, that is what translates to the NFL. And, um, so yeah, so I, I like both these guys. I think both of them are legitimate blockers and legitimate, uh, receiving threats. And, um, but I'll say it again. Keep on. I said it whenever we were doing rookies, I want to see above a seven RAS in the NFL combine before, or or at least in the NFL combine and pro days before I am willing to even put you on my board at tight end. Um, These like, I will roster these guys obviously, but there is nothing that will get you traded faster than having a poor RAS score as a, as a tight end. Yeah, that's great. And you're right about needing to see the actual real numbers, right? It wait. And at the combine. And like I said, we need that athletic profile. We need to see the numbers. Um, because production doesn't necessarily dictate who's going to be great. There's plenty of tight ends that get great production in the college and sucked in the NFL or vice versa. Did nearly nothing in college and were really great in the NFL. Yeah. To me, I'm with you. The most important thing is let's see some real height, real weight, and let's see some athletic numbers. Um, obviously, what from a film it's not you know irrelevant i'm going to factor that in but yeah. i'm with you right look at Jalen watermeyer look what happened there right Jalen was some people's tight end one for the 2022 class and then he basically ran the size of you know had the speed scores of alignment like, yeah so production isn't necessarily dictate everything you got to have at least decent numbers for me not quite as hard line with you with your numbers, but you know, just edit, to, right. There's know, legitimate math behind your your uh, your process. Yeah, just to kind of talk about that. Um, so for the people who didn't hear or, or didn't 
haven't heard our our take on the rookie tight end episode that we did before the draft. Um, just to kind of give you an idea of you know the what you can what you need to see out of tight ends. So there's only two tight ends in the last 15 years that have had even decent seasons that did not have above a seven RAS score. The only two was Zach uh, or uh, um, Zach Ertz, excuse me. Yeah. Zach Ertz. And, um, and then Mark Andrews was also fairly low. He was still above a seven, but he was still fairly low. So really, honestly, looking at above an eight, if you're not above an eight, you're the likelihood of you having success at the NFL level is pretty low. But just to go down to a seven, you know, we're talking at 90 to 95% of tight ends in the NFL or above a seven RES. That is a huge number. So if you're not above that number, why would I think you're even like, we're talking about having any fantasy success. I'm talking about like the first 30 tight ends in fantasy, you know, 90 to 95% of those guys are, above a seven RAS. So that is why I have that number as such a factor in my rookie rankings for tight ends. Yeah. I mean, it's, I like it and I'm really on, turn me on to it. Cause right. I used to just kind of look at the num, you know, look at the actual numbers, you know, the 40, the vertical jump, you know, the shuttles, this and that. And then I'd look at the film and kind of gauge like how athletic is this player? But RES is this single number, right? It just boils it all down to one thing. It's very simple. Check it out. It's called the raw athletic score. If you never heard about it, check it out. It's 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 really good info, um, and it's not useful only for tight ends, but it seems to be the most predictive, or yeah. or maybe predi- not predictive, but it it excludes people that you don't want the best. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's interesting, right? We were talking earlier. Some of these players in these rankings, they weren't recruited as tight out of high school. They were wide receivers. They, it, there might even be, you know, a defensive mm-hmm. player in the mix uh, on these on this list. And I think that's kind of telling to what you're getting at is you have to be athletic to be a really good NFL tight end. You can't like. Again, it's not 1981. We don't want a six offensive lineman at ten. I mean, yes, there are some teams that employ that, but they're not using fantasy, right? They're literally just brought on, you know, for the for the blocking. Um, yeah, yeah. So I don't think we have anything else about the tight at the tier one here. You know, I think both of these guys are going to fly through the athletics score testing, uh, just from what it looks like on tape. But you know. That's, that's my piece on RS. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm working on actively kind of comparing all the different positions uh, to their RES score. Uh, it's kind of like my long-term project here that I've been working on. Um, so I'm looking forward to talking about that. I, I think that's probably going to be ready this after this season. because so I, I want, I want a little bit more data to kind of, you know, use and to, to kind of, you know, filter that out. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really good metric uh, if anybody's never heard of it. So, um, but yeah, you ready to move on to tier two? Since I've said enough about RES. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, it's important to discuss because it kind of explains our thought process. Like, what are we looking for? You know, how are we making these rankings? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, big names here, you know, uh, Eric Gilbert, uh, Jaheim Bell, and Michael Trigg. Um, so 
you know, what, why do you have Eric Gilbert up here? You know, what's the, what's your thought there? All right. I mean, if we were talking a year ago, it wouldn't be ridiculous to put Eric Gilbert at number one on this list. Right. right. There were a lot of people that had Eric Gilbert as the number one Debbie tight end, you know, going into the 2022 season. Um, excuse me, the 2021 season. My biggest issue is that he's at Georgia. Like, what is, I don't understand. I really don't understand the offense they're going to run, right? They lose George Pickens this day. Jermaine Burton is potentially a stud, right? Has has potential breakout. Lose him. Uh, and then they have just tight end after tight end after tight end. So, you know, how they get – I think Gilbert has more NFL projection than college production. Talk about Roth yeah. score. I bet he's pl- over nine. Gilbert is oh, a I, great athlete. He's huge. Yeah. I mean, he's exactly what you want in a fantasy tight end in terms of the athletic. My biggest concern with Eric Gilbert is actually the character concerns. Because, uh, you know, he played at LSU first. And um, there were a lot of character issues that came out about him at LSU. And I just wonder if he actually wants it. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he transferred, transfer, you know, for playing time. He didn't transfer for anything. He transferred because he became, I believe, it was academically ineligible. If I, you know, have my facts straight. No, he actually but, quit. He quit. He uh, he wanted to be closer to uh, family, from what I understand. Um, okay. I, I, yeah, I mean, from yeah, from what it sounds like, you know, because he played, he played in, he played the year, and then. He, you know, just, I guess he just couldn't handle it anymore. And, and that's, you know, that worries me in the NFL. Like you can't just quit on an NFL team midseason and leave. Like that's just not, Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe it's, you know, maybe he's 18, 19 years old. Maybe that's why, but I don't know. It's just it's worrying to me. With that. That's why I kind of, I've dumped them down a few tiers just because I, you know, it worries me. Oh yeah. I mean, I hear you. I hear you. Um, he, here's a big gap between tier one and two for me. Uh, but Gilbert, his just potential is so high and we've seen it. You know, it's yeah. not like the, he reminds me of Jai Hall in some ways is that his off-field things are preventing him from on-field success. Uh, the thing is, is, we didn't really see it from Jai Hall as a freshman. Gilbert as yeah. a freshman was great. Yeah, we're, yeah, we were talking. I, I had him for his freshman year before all the kind of the stuff came out. I was like, man, this guy could be as good as Kyle Pitts, like coming out, like, you know, that level of talent. Because he's hugely athletic and he just he plays like a receiver. He plays like a receiver, and, you know, that's interesting. Um, so next up here, though, is Jaheim Bell. I, To be honest with you, I have no interest in Jaheim Bell. Why? Because I don't think he's going to pass the – I don't think he's big enough to be successful at tight end in the NFL. I think he's, at best, a wide receiver. Yeah, I and, and I'm definitely worried about that, right? He was the smallest player on this list according to 24-7 sports. Now, you know, I'll kind of throw back what you said earlier is, hey, let's see the numbers, right? Because he's athletic and he has, you know, broken out in one of the few glimmers of hope in South Carolina last year. Now you get Spencer Rattler. Maybe they can really, you know, get something going. But I'm with you. I need to see, you know, more legitimate tight end size numbers than what, he was reported as coming out of high school. Yeah, he's a great C2C asset. Uh, and, you know, that's 
So, after, honestly, after this tier, after tier two here, I have no interest in you unless you're providing me something in, in C2C. You know, Michael Trigg is also, you know, he's a really good C2C asset, uh, I believe, because, you know, Ole Miss, one, Lane Kiffin likes to throw the ball, if you didn't know. And I think they're going to look like a, they're going to be a good offense this year. And Michael Trigg, I think, is going to take a pretty solid share of targets there. And um, we'll see what happens with him next year. I think he's, I think he stays in this year, though. I think he's a potential second round pick, and maybe he sneaks into the first round at the end of a, the end of the first round one time, or you know, in twenty twenty four. Yeah, I mean, Trig, we're talking projection here. Uh, didn't really have a lot of uh, production as a freshman last year at UFD, but very talented, very athletic, and. It seemed like it seemed like Jackson Dart, you know, pulled him to Ole Miss, right? They both transferred, and yep. I, he didn't bring he didn't bring Trig along with him, you know, because he's like his pot dealer, you know, like he brought him along because he thinks they can crush it in the SEC. This dude is very talented, and I, I mean, I'm with you. I think he's got a very high potential i mean this is still a projection right we haven't seen it yet but his projection could be first round nfl draft pick yeah um yeah i don't have anything else about this part Uh, just uh moving on to tier three so you know again sam laporta jaheel billingsley so my question with billingsley right he got he got benched at alabama uh i'm worried that he's a i think he's a better college or a better NFL prospect than, you know, he's a better seat than a, than a C2C asset. But for Debbie, I want to see some production this year. You know, I want him to dominate at Texas this year. Yeah. I call tier three kind of my, like, you know, the stinky tier, the, the one that I don't want to place here, but they kind of have to. Um, Billingsley, he was pretty hyped up, right? He was in Bama. He had some moments. But I'm pretty sure that uh, Saban kicked him off the team eventually. I, I, he certainly was basically forced to transfer. And he you know, he went with a few other Alabama recruits that Sark helped bring in. He went over to Texas. Uh, Billingsley concerns me off the field. Like, I don't think he's – I don't know. I don't know what the issue is. Like – if you can't make it Alabama, why can't you make it in the NFL? That's the most NFL-like college there is, right? You bring in super talented players and just ultra competitive. If that's not your gig, like you know, well, and it's not like Alabama. Alabama doesn't produce tight ends either, so it's not like you're competing with anybody really great at, t- at Alabama for t- for at least for tight ends. Yeah, not within your position group. Not within your position. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Sam Laporta, he's he's a prototypical tight end, and he is from Iowa the tight end. tight end factory. This is right. the only school that is a tight end factory. You know, they're, they're the only one with that claim. I don't know. Fame. You're sleeping on Notre Dame a little, I think. But I agree. I, mean, I was definitely yeah, but, number one. I was definitely number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tight end factory. Give me their tight end one. Just throw them on there, and let me throw that dart and see if it hits. Yeah, I mean, this is an older player. Uh, actually, was recruited as a wide receiver out of high school. Um, 
But yeah, honestly, the fact that Laporta had a great year in 2021 and then he's at Iowa is is honestly the only reason it's on this list. Like you watch the tape and you're like, all right, I mean, yeah, maybe. But let's put it this way. Unless his athletic numbers are much better than I expect, not much, but better than I expect, I probably won't have Laporta in any any of my uh, yeah. my leagues just because I think a lot of people are going to see Iowa tight end and just assume he's the next one. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, that's- and this is really, <laughs> like like we said, tier one and two, yeah, I'm pretty excited about these players. So there's a very reasonable path to fantasy success in the NFL. At this point on, uh, we're either doing a huge projection or they're going to have to like break you know, the, the mold, they're going to have to break statistical likelihood. Yeah. I mean, these are third and fourth round picks at best. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, right. We said, we got to wait for the numbers. Maybe Sam Porter comes out and, and he, he does have that good, you know, and he, and he meets your box. He hits, you know, 7.2 on the RES. All of a sudden I'm like, okay, you know, I'm perked up more interested yeah. than I am at the moment. Yeah. So, you know, tier four, this is the freshman. So, yeah, I mean, my only thing with these is, you know, with freshmen, you're – it is it is entirely potential. But like I said, all right, just because they're top-tier freshman recruits doesn't mean that they're guaranteed to be successful in college level. Honestly, it doesn't even mean that they're going to be, like, drafted, uh, which is, you know, weird for every other position. It seems like, you know, if you're a four-star recruit, you're – Likelihood of getting drafted is at least a little bit higher, but these guys, I don't, you know, tight ends, that's not really the case. Yeah, I mean, this is the new hotness, right? That's what this tier is. The last one was the old crusties. This is the new hotness, right? This is number one, two, and three tight end re- recruits tree for the uh, the incoming freshman class, according to twenty four seven Sports. Um, yes, that is. I'm actually grossed out by that. I didn't realize that. I just looked it up to double check. I'm grossed out that it's one, two, and three. The reason I took them is that, one, I knew Johnson was number one, but I like Bell because of the Georgia, and I like Skinner because of Miami. Georgia is obviously you know, starting to do some good things with their tight ends. Um, at least it appears that way. And Miami, um, I really like what Miami's doing. I, I think that um, – Crystal Ball has gotten that that alumni base, you know, committed. They invested in the program as needed to bring that program back. The program had been underinvested for, you know, a decade plus. And his recruiting class is showing. I mean, he was a great recruiter at Oregon. I honestly started to become a little bit of an Oregon fan because I like Crystal Ball so much, just the way he, he runs his teams. Um, so... This is more of a, for at least Delp and Skinner, more of about school. I'm just scouting the helmet. I, I, I believe in what these two programs are doing. They're high recruits. So, yeah, you know, give them a shot. But I'm with you. Who knows? Yeah. Um. So my big thing that I want to just kind of touch on here is with um, draft, my drafting strategy for t- Debbie tight ends is that I generally don't take any. Um, so we play in C2C leagues primarily, right? So the only tight ends that I take are tight ends that have C2C value. Um, and I honestly could care less if you are even like, I think you're an NFL prospect. Like 
I don't care. Uh, you know, if, just give me the production in college, and then I'll draft the tight end sleepers from the on that get drafted on the you know on the NFL side. Um, and I, I think tight end is the hardest position to to predict because most of the the guys who get drafted, honestly, most of them are like three star recruits or like you know the low like the lower tier recruits. Um, you know, you could say like Brock Byers and, you know, Michael Meyer, you know, both of those guys are, you know, obviously stars, but the likelihood of me hitting one of those guys is so low that I just don't have any interest in trying to hit them. You know, I'd, I'd rather just take a shot on the, the, the other positions. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, tight end position, you know, we're, we're working on these projects. At least it's my side project to like really narrow this down and give you numbers. But my suspect, I'm suspecting that tight end, um, uh, their high school ranking matters the least out of any fantasy football position. Um, and and I'm not surprised, right? Because tight ends, even when they get to the league, take the longest to develop. I mean, tight end, you've got to, you know, you've got to be able to block like a lineman and move and catch like a wide receiver, right? That, that's not easy physically to, to do that, right, at that yeah. elite world level. Um, so – it's a huge projection and to take a 16, a 17 or an 18 year old and be able to project them. That's super hard. That's super, super hard. Yeah. So tier five, uh, I'll be honest. I have no interest in Will Mallory. Um, and Jatavian Sanders, you know, he's another guy, I think kind of like Michael Trigg. I think you're kind of a projection there. Yeah. I mean, it, they fell into this tier just because I didn't want to have a tier of one, you know, but they're like the exact top player. Will Mallory, he's an older player. He doesn't really scream athleticism, but he's had a fair amount of production. Um, and he's got that nice Miami tie, you know, that I just talked about. So with Mallory, so this kind of goes the same way with Laporta for me. The reason they're ranked at all, and especially Laporta a little higher, is it's more about what I think I could get in value for the player, not what I think I am going to utilize the player as in fantasy maps. I expect Mallory and Laporta to get decent draft capital, and especially Laporta because he's got that Iowa name. People are going to want them. So if you have them on your on your on your roster on your Devi team, your C2C team, I think you know come May, come June of 2023 would be a great time to trade them. And, you know, you could probably get decent value. And Jatavion Sanders, complete opposite. Uh, this player that basically didn't even play as a freshman, um, complete projection. I mean, he was the number one athlete recruit, right? You have all the positions, then you have athlete. Athlete is like basically 24-7. It's like I don't really know, you know, what position they're playing because they're that athletic. He could have played DN. He could play tight end. This dude is big, he's fast, he's strong, and he's got enormous potential. I mean, he's going to be playing Quinn Ewers. Um, so, you know, I just throw him on there just because he's got the potential. Yeah, he's, he's six three and a half. You know, he's uh, two thirty five. I like you said, he's a super big. He's a he's an athlete. He he's going to test off the charts. I, I think he has could be a legitimate enough a prospect, um, but I don't think any, there's any playing time for him really this year with the Billingsley. Um, right at Billingsley, like you like you know he's in tier uh, 
tier three, you know, if he produces, then that doesn't really leave a lot of room for Jatavian Sanders to produce. So you're looking at more a um, probably a pick next year. And so probably more likely that it goes in the drafts in like 2025 than anything. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's, a, he's an interesting prospect just because of the athletic ability. Right. So um, yeah. So next up is the honorable mentions. So Eric, your honorable mention. Yeah. Go ahead. Take the floor and tell us what. All right. So I'm going to give the guy who took Jaheel Billingley's job, my honorable mention Cameron Latu. So if you didn't know Latu was before this year, you're like me. And that's because he was a edge rusher recruit out of high school. This is the one I told you. He's a defensive player. He's a player. He's an older player. Um, he, but he showed a spark to me last year. He was, he was pretty dynamic in the red zone for him. And he showed a little bit of wiggle. He's got good size. And obviously at the band title. I mean, you t- you said it well. They don't exactly produce tight ends, but if I have Cameron Latt to, you know, oh, in my dynasty league, is probably going to be interested in the productive tight end from Alabama. You know, they can get drafted. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see if he gets drafted. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he shocked the world. Like, he came out of nowhere, honestly. Everybody thought Billingsley was going to run away with the job, and and then Cameron Latu comes in, uh, you know, out of nowhere. Um, but for my honorable mentions, you know, I got a few here. So uh, Jake uh, Beeringstool, you know, he's the one of the top recruits from 2024 or from uh, 2021. Um, he is starting. He's going to take over the starting job at Clemson this year. You know, so I think there's some potential there just because I, I question the – the, the level of the wide receiving core in, in Clemson uh, currently. I think they have potential in the wide receiving core, but I don't know if it's – but they they were, weren't great last year, so we'll see what happens there. And I think he could be a legitimate option for uh, either uh, DJ or uh, maybe K Klubnik, depending on who starts there, which would probably be DJ to begin the year at least. Um, Eric All uh, from Michigan. He honestly didn't play great until the second half of last year. You know, he, he he's been injured a lot. So he's a kind of a, a name that um, I'm kind of projecting his his production to increase now that he's back from injury, and and I think he can uh, reproduce what he did last year, and I think he's a legitimate NFL draft prospect uh, coming into 2023. Um, Benjamin Urasek, it's the same thing. You know, I think he is going to be a a, a a legitimate NFL draft prospect this coming year. Um, I think he'll probably be going the fourth or fifth round. And uh, I'll take a shot on that. Both of these guys are really good C2C assets. And then finally, uh, Tucker Craft. <clears throat> so if you play FCS and, and C2C, then this guy is definitely somebody to, to keep on your radar. But um, I, I know we don't we don't play with FCS. We play with just FBS. Um, and but Tucker Craft is a guy who is uh, very interesting. You know, he is 6'5", 255. So he's got the size to play at the next level and um he he looks like a really good receiver you know from the from the tape and um you know i i, I want to watch him a lot this year i think he's going to be a good watch um south dakota state is obviously you know not necessarily the top team that i want to watch but um you know if i'm not doing anything and south, south dakota state's on then you know i might as well throw it on to watch tucker craft but um 
yeah, I think I think he's a pro project. I think uh, you know it's kind of similar to, um, you know how Jelani Woods kind of skyrocketed up people's boards as a quarterback. I think Tucker Craft could go to the combine and and and, uh, and the Senior Bowl and um, and kind of show out and put himself on people's draft boards. So I think it's a good Debbie prospect to invest in if you uh, have a spot. I gotta say your uh, your FCS player is the one that really stands out to me. Um, the other ones, I mean, uh, they're like your typical uh, either former high recruit or they're at a good school, right? Stanford has a lot of success producing tight ends. Um, Michigan's pretty good too. Um, but the Tucker Craft is the one that's really interesting. Someone just turned to them like last. I really haven't you know read up too much. But haven't watched any film actually. But I know that they're, you know, a productive player with some athleticism from South Dakota State. Um, interesting player. I mean, you make a good point, right? He's not eligible in my C2C leagues because, you know, they, they don't allow FCS players. Um, so I guess you could stash him or the potential that this guy breaks out. Um, I don't know, like... Are we going to get to see him go to the Senior Bowl? I'd love that, right? Same thing with uh, Christian Watson. You were able to see him against, you know, good on good. Um, it's just hard to make that jump, you know, and we'll see. And he – super, super sleeper. I love it. I, you know, got some FCS love. Um, Yerkesek, out of those other three, right, those traditional recruits are the ones – he's my most interesting one. I, uh, I like the way he plays. I don't know. It's so hard when you're looking at these tight ends. We talked about it. Like, unless you're a superstar like Myers or Bro, like, how do you, you know, how do you select them? It's, it's, I mean, NFL teams aren't good at it. There's a lot of good tight ends that are late picks, you know? Yeah. So this isn't like quarterbacks where, you know, 28 of the starting quarterbacks in the league are first round picks. You know, it's, I'd, I'd be surprised that even half are first round picks. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Tucker I mean, Craft, hey, I like kind of. He reminds me a little bit of Adam Troutman. Um, so Adam Troutman was drafted out of Dayton. Um, I, can, I think you could see a similar rise uh, in the draft for him. So, um, yeah, one other thing I wanted to mention uh, was just about training camp. I didn't mention it before. Is um, so <laughs> I've seen a lot of people, you know, crowning Matt Corral and. Um, uh, this other guy, um, uh, I don't remember who was uh, Sam Howell. Sam Howell, sorry, uh, Sam Howell and Matt Corral. Both of them are um, getting grave reviews from training camp. Look, let's just pump the brakes on those. Like, they're it is so rare for fourth round, uh, fourth fifth round quarterbacks to start or, and be successful. Period. In the NFL, if you're you know, investing heavily in those two players, you're probably going to be disappointed. Um, <laughs> especially in training camp, right? Like these guys, like training camp is designed for quarterbacks to produce better. Just, you know, kind of how it's designed. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I'm third and fifth round pick. Corral interests me just because, one is a much better draft out, but really it has to do with Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield more than anything. Like, what's the cost to get Matt Corral? Like, I'll give you like a fourth rounder, you know, you know, something super 
you know, cheap. But I don't think whoever drafted Corral is going to go for that. So to me, I, I have zero shares of either player. It's not at all on my radar. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it takes like almost a freak industry, a freak injury for them to even start in the NFL. Like Dak Prescott was not supposed to start his first year. It took a Tony Romo freak injury that ended his career for him to see the field, right? So, <laughs> you know, it's it's not just not likely. So, but um, you have anything else you want to talk about for Debbie tight ends? Draft NFL proven tight ends. If you're playing a Debbie league or playing a C2C league, do not rely on a pipeline coming from college because it, it, it's not going to happen. Uh, the likelihood of you selecting these players is very, very low. Um, I struggled to find 12 players that I wanted to talk about. I mean, some of them, I think I pinched my nose because, you know, they're all crusty farts. Like, no offense to these players. They're probably great people. But my prediction for them in the NFL for fantasy is not very good, you know, for, for half of these. Um, so, yeah, go and pay up and get your tight ends because it's a limited position. At least that's how I play. I, I want my tight end. I'm not going to, you know, if this is best ball, that's different. You know, I'll grab, you know, five tight ends, you know, tight end twos and whatnot, and, and I'll get good production that way. But if I'm in a lineup league, you better believe I'm going to go and get one of those good tight ends. Yeah, you know, I in our CTC league, I ended up drafting um, Kittle, Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, and Darren Waller. Um, so, you know, I, <laughs> I I feel like I've set a tight end for at least the next five years. Uh, and then, I mean, I have Tommy Tremble and Noah Gray, so I'm hoping that kind of they can, you know, maybe they'll be successful, but, you know, I'm not relying on a talent that I, cause I mean, who knows what's going to happen with these guys? Who knows what, who knows even what, who's going to be good. Who's not like, just honestly, like Mark Andrews, he was a third round pick, you know, George Kittle. So uh, I believe he was a third round pick too, not second round. And, uh, uh, or Travis Kelsey was, excuse me, George Kittle, I think was a six rounder. So, right. Like take your, take a pick on a tight end and, you know, maybe they will be successful. Maybe not, but. There's not a lot of first round picks out there that are successful. So, but um, yeah, we thank everybody for listening. And, um, you know, please give us a follow on Twitter. Please give us a like and a subscribe if you can. And um, uh, yeah, if you have any questions for me and Eric, just uh, let us know and uh, throw it in the comments or hit us up on Twitter and we'll, we'll answer. And uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you.